The highest pay definitely will be like the prison systems. You could probably get up to like 80, 90,000 with very good benefits as well. All right. I am here with Megan, who is a recreational therapist. I'm really excited to talk with her today because she has a job that I think maybe not a lot of people know about, but I think it's incredibly important. And I would imagine it's very rewarding. I can't wait to hear more about recreational therapy from you, Megan. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's just go right into it. What exactly does it mean to be a recreational therapist? What do you do in a nutshell? Yes. The most awesome job ever. Basically, recreational therapy. We use recreation and leisure activities to improve overall quality of life and meet the individual that you're working with needs and goals. So for everyone, it looks a little different depending on what their interests are. But we always use this process called the API process and where we assess, plan, implement, evaluate, and then document to find out what those interests are and barriers to participation and all that good stuff and what we need to do to get you back into what you enjoy and meet goals. Awesome. So just from my understanding, because I'm a little bit new to this, how does it differ from like physical therapy versus like an occupational therapist or even like a physiologist? Or is there just kind of a lot of overlap? I like to kind of explain to my people that I'm working with that it's a place where you're going to take all these skills that you're learning from all your other therapies and actually put them into practice with the activities that you enjoy doing. So physical therapy, you might be working on walking, you might be working on balance, standing, occupational therapy, you're doing your activities of daily living, you're working on those fine motor skills. And you're learning all these skills and strategies to be able to do those things. And then recreational therapy comes along and we're going to do the fun activities and you're going to use all those skills that you learn, but we're going to have a great time doing it. I love it. It sounds fun. So do you come up with programs? Do you do like big activities where you get a whole bunch of clients involved or is it more one-on-one typically? It really depends on what population and what setting you're working in. Okay. Right now I do in-home and community neuro rehab, meaning I'm working one-on-one with people who have had some type of neuro injury or illness, like brain injury, stroke, spinal cord injury, and I'm working one-on-one with them. In the past, I've worked in psych where you're working in a group setting. Perfect. How long have you been doing it, Megan? How long have you been in this field? Been just coming up on 10 years right now. Wow. That's awesome. So what, what skills and education did you need to get this job? Is it the kind of thing where you need a, a master's degree, different kinds of certifications, just a bachelor's, or can you get into this without any education? What, what does it take? Currently, you need a bachelor's in therapeutic recreation. Okay. Then you need to do an internship. I think it's like a 14-week, 560-hour internship. Okay. And then you sit for the exam. And once you pass it, you're able to practice in the field. 
We're moving towards licensure though. So every state is a little different right now. If they have licensure, there's a few extra requirements there. Yeah. Extra steps. So you have to sit for an exam. Is there, did you have to do a lot of prep work for that? Or was that kind of covered in the course material that you had learned in college and through your internship? It's all stuff that you should have learned. (laughs) (laughs) Should have. Okay. Definitely something that you do need to study for though. A lot of people will buy flashcards, there's study books and all kinds of stuff out there, study guides. Um, Really depends on the individual. How will you do at test taking? Yeah. So Megan, this next question I feel like is kind of the meat of the show. I kind of want to just go through what a typical day looks like and just feel free to be as detailed as you want. Like even if you want to go in a schedule, if you could make like a pretend schedule, just so that somebody who's interested in learning what it is that you do, they could really get a picture of, they could see themselves in that role daily. Um, What would that look like? Definitely. So one of the things I love most about this job is there is no typical day. Yes. Every day is different. And, but it kind of broken down for the setting I'm working in right now. Every day I will see my clients that I'm working with, but every day we're going to be doing different activities. I might be one day at the golf course working on adaptive golf. The next day we might be doing yoga. The next day we might be painting, then we might be going swimming in the pool, you know, anything and everything. We might be playing board games the next day. Yeah. Or I might be doing three or four of these activities in a day with three to four different people. In some facilities, though, if you're working in a hospital setting, if you're working in a skilled nursing home, the prison system, jails, There you'll have a little bit more structure where you typically have assigned groups that you'll do throughout the day. Okay. And you'll have a very like generalized group topic, life skills, communication, anger management. But then what you do in those groups is up to you. And you really have typically, depending on the facility, the freedom to get as creative as possible and use any type of games or art, music to work on those skills. And then with all settings, there is the not so fun part where you have to do your documentation at the end of the day. So for new clients, we always, or patients, we always have to do an assessment or evaluation. Then we also have to do documentation. Depending on the state, there's different requirements, but either daily or weekly notes just on what you've been doing, your progress and how things are going and what you plan to do. About how much time do you think you spend on client-facing stuff versus like documentation and administrative stuff? If you could put a general percentage on those numbers, how much time do you spend on each thing? I would say maybe like 90% one-on-one with the client and then the rest is documentation and stuff. That's good. Yeah. The majority of time you really are working one-on-one with them. Granted, for everyone, it's a little different depending on how long it takes you to do the documentation and the planning and everything, but. Yeah. And do you work with a private company or do you work with a hospital? What's your setting? I know you said you work with primarily adults. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Currently, I work with adults. It's for a company. It's called Rehab Without Walls and they're across the country. We work in the community, anyone 18 and over. 
So do they seek you guys out if they are in need of your services or do you have to do any like sales work kind of marketing, like getting your own clients and reaching out or does the company kind of provide those for you? They provide them for us. We actually have a marketing whole part of the company that does all of that for us. But typically they come in by referral from a facility that they were already at or from a physician. Good. So you get to really focus on the client. You're not having to wear a lot of different hats for this position. You really get to just do your job, which sounds fun. Exactly. That's awesome. So what's the most challenging part of your job? And then on the flip side, what's the most rewarding part or just the best part of your job? I would say the most challenging is probably advocating and educating people on what we do. As you've already mentioned, a lot of people just have never heard of recreation therapy. Yeah. I never had until I was in the major. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a very well-known field. So you're constantly having to educate people and really advocate for our place in the treatment team and our services. And it's just rough sometimes, not going to lie. Yeah. Um, best part of the job, I would definitely say, is just working with people, the just wide range of people that you would never meet in your day-to-day life. And hearing everyone's stories, where they come from, and just learning from them as you're going through their whole journey. I really like that. That's good. Your your answers are great so far, Megan. Perfect. Thank you. What do you wish you knew about the job or just the industry in general when you were first starting out? Like if there was a 20-year-old that was saying, hey, maybe I want to be a recreational therapist. What would you say? Oh, yeah, I wish I had known this. What would that be? For me personally, it was anything. I really did not know what I was getting into. It was a very happy accident for me. But for somebody just going out into the field, I think just realistic awareness of what's out there, the job market, the settings that you could be working in, and just knowing that whether that's going to be right for you or not. And yeah, if you'd feel comfortable working in these types of settings with these various populations of people and feel comfortable, you know, it's not for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, that leads literally directly into my next question who would be a good fit for this job? And then on the flip side, who might think that they would be a good fit, but maybe you might find out this is not really the job for them. I think anybody that has a passion for their own personal leisure and recreational activities in life could be a good fit. You will probably never meet a recreational therapist that if you ask them what they like to do in their free time, will not have a hundred (laughs) things to list off of you. Um, somebody who would not be a good fit though, you really need to be a patient person. You need to be open-minded and you need to be compassionate. Those are some things that you might not realize that you don't fully have those characteristics until you're in a situation and yeah, your patience is tested. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Yeah. How hard is it to find a job in this career? Was that, was it pretty easy for you? Are there a lot of openings? Do you have a sense of what the job market is like? I have been extremely lucky. I would say I've never had difficulty finding a job. That's not necessarily the case for everyone though. Okay. 
I've only lived in California and Texas and the job markets in both states are very abundant. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of states though that I've heard people who like through social media sites and stuff that just really struggle to find employment. The opportunities just aren't there for them. Yeah. So it may be the kind of thing where if this is something you really, really want to do, you might have to be willing to move to a market where there's need. It's not like there's, you know, a place on every street corner that is looking to hire Interesting. Okay. Have you ever seen people leave the field because they weren't a fit? Or I guess my question is when people leave the field, why do they leave? Is it because they're just retiring? Do they stay in it for forever? Or do they go for greener pastures? Like, what does that look like when people leave? Actually, a hot topic in our field. Oh, please talk about Um, it. So a lot of people do end up leaving. They want one to get their master's degree. There are master's programs available in therapeutic recreation right now. Unfortunately, they don't necessarily open more doors for you. Hmm. You're going to get a lot more in-depth knowledge in the field, but you're not going to have more job opportunity per se. You're not going to have a higher salary necessarily unless you have an amazing employer that you're working for. So a lot of people will turn to occupational therapy, to nursing, to relatable fields where they are still in a helping role, still working with the same types of populations, but they can kind of progress further along and have just more opportunities to them. Gotcha. Do you think that people tend to leave because they don't feel like they're paid well enough in their current position and they need to get more, you know, go into occupational therapy or nursing, or is it just because they get tired of the job itself? I think it's more so pay and then job opportunity out there. Like I had mentioned, we're moving towards licensure for all 50 states. That's goal. Until we're there though, in a lot of settings, we are recognized differently than like occupational therapy or physical therapy, speech therapy. So different facilities will utilize us in different ways. Seems like it's kind of in a a little bit of a gray area currently and moving more towards a structured thing that maybe, maybe in the future, it'll be a little bit more known and I guess prestigious or respected. (laughs) Yes. I can imagine there would be a lot of opportunity, you know, not only is it important work, but yeah, people who have difficulty moving because of a stroke or because of whatever reason that they're having difficulty being active, that's an important thing for people to be able to get back. That's part of what makes life worth living. And so I think the work itself is is incredibly valuable and interesting just on a personal level. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, good. So we kind of touched on it a little bit and obviously without getting too personal, Do you have an idea of what an entry-level person might make coming out of college? And then does it go up very much from there in terms of like mid-career and late career? Or do you really have to move on into another field in order to make much more than entry-level? I would say it's extremely variable depending on where you are and what population you're working with. The highest pay definitely will be like the prison systems. You could probably get up to like 80, 90,000 with very good benefits as well. There are certain states out there that I've just heard like horrible, horrible things. I have no personal experience, but it's not pleasant numbers. Uh, California and Texas, the ones that I have the most hands-on experience personal with. 
I would say entry level, depending on your setting, you can look at about 50 to 60,000 starting with no experience as a new grad and then expect to go up from there. One nice thing is if you're working in like a hospital setting in the clinical setting, you typically have very good benefits. Yeah. So even some of these jobs that don't pay as much, you'll have better benefits than other careers might because you're in the hospital system. What what are the hours like? What's work-life balance look like? Work-life balance, I would say is pretty ideal. Um, it's not really a job that you're going to take work home with you and be having to catch up on off hours. Typically, whatever your hours are, you'll get all your work done and you leave work at work and you have your time. We are getting paid to play though. So it's that do what you love and love what you do. So it's not usually not like extremely stressful work anyways. So the work-life balance does, isn't an issue. This question may be a little out of left field, but I'm thinking of some friends of mine that um, I know have done like kinesiology and like athletic training and like personal training and that kind of stuff. Is that a potential open door into the field or do you really need a specific, that specific bachelor's degree? I'm blanking out on what you said at the very beginning, what it was. Do you need that specific degree in order to get into it? So there's two paths. There's the academic path and then there's these equivalency paths. I'm not super familiar with the requirements for them, but I do believe you can have a different major going in and you're still required to do like the internship and sit for the exam and that stuff. And I believe with those, you are still required to take what would be like upper division therapeutic recreation classes. So they still want you to have that knowledge, Yes, but you don't have to take them as a student at the university. You can take them once you've graduated with your degree, and then you can take them. There's different programs out there. Some schools offer like online classes that you can take. Perfect. How much... How much medical knowledge, if any, do you need to know for this role? Are you targeting specific muscle groups? Are you going about it a certain way? Or is it really just like, hey, they want to get better at painting or drawing or golf. And so we're going to devise a plan for them. Like how much medical stuff is involved for you? Great question. I would say a good amount. Okay. No, you don't need to be a doctor, a nurse. You don't have to know every single term out there and what everything is, but you have to be aware. And you have to understand how different things can relate to what you're doing. So if somebody, like if I'm working with somebody with a stroke, you know, they've had a stroke. And if I had no knowledge at all of what a stroke does to the body or what their current deficits are and those things, it's very difficult to get them back into their activities safely. So you have to be aware of what their limitations are, what they're working on and how you can incorporate those goals into what you're doing. And in order to do all that, you do have to have a basic understanding of the medical side of it. Yeah. Did you take like anatomy and physiology in college? I did. So you have to take all those basic classes. And when you brought up kinesiology, I was actually going to major in kinesiology. Oh, And I had taken all my prereqs of all those fun science classes and the major was impacted. And that's how I ended up in recreational therapy. And I was like, okay, this sounds cool. Why not? (laughs) 
Do they offer that program at a lot of schools that you know of, or was it, did you have to specifically find a school that had, had the major? I got lucky. My school had it. However, I was the second to last person to graduate with that major before they closed the major. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you barely squeaked by. <laughs> <laughs> there are very few schools out there that still offer it. So that is one thing. If you are looking to get into the field, being aware of what schools have the program and what they require for that program, because it's not, you can't go anywhere and just like decide, oh, I'm going to do this. It's very limited. Gotcha. I just have a couple more questions. This one's kind of more just a personal general one. Do you feel the job is pretty fulfilling? Do you like going to work every day? I love it. Like I said, I get paid to play, you know, you're working with different people all the time. And it's very fulfilling to know that you're going in there, you're getting people to do the things that they love to do to progress towards their goals, and to just see them relax and enjoy themselves when they're going through these struggles of going through rehab or, you know, seeing them kind of at their worst, helping them get through that. It sounds like a fun job. I'm like, man, I wish I had, I wish I had (laughs) known about it 10 years ago when I was just starting out in college and trying to figure out what the heck am I going to do? And oh my gosh, it sounds, it sounds like for the right person, this could be just an amazing potential career. I have several people that come to mind of my friends I'm like, oh man, they need to get, they need to do something like this, you know, if not that specifically. So it's awesome. Never too late. (laughs) Yep. Never too late. That's awesome. Yeah. Actually, that's a good point. Do you see people continue on to this job even in their 50s and maybe even 60s once they're, you know, because I, I would imagine it's a very active job. Do people tend to leave by then or do you still know recreational therapists that are of that age? Yeah, there's definitely, I worked with quite a few who have retired in the field mm-hmm. and just spent their whole career doing it. What's so great about it is that, you know, we're always meeting people where they're at in their life journey and mm-hmm. everything can be adapted. Everything can be done in a different way than the quote unquote, like normal way. Right. So you can really work at any age. You can work with any capabilities. I've met recreational therapists that have spinal cord injuries that Hmm. work in a wheelchair and they do amazing things. No barriers. I love that. I love that. I imagine that even if you have a small disability, it may endear yourself to your clients a little bit because you can show them, Hey, here's how I overcome my physical limitations. And here's how you can too. That would be really fun. Yes, it is true. All right, Megan, I got one final question for you. What is the best piece of practical advice you can give someone who is interested in doing what you're doing? Are there any resources that you know of that you could hook them up with or just what would the next steps be to learn more? Definitely. I would say one, it's never too early to start networking, you know, go on to social media and find all the therapeutic rec groups out there and just kind of just start seeing what they have to offer and volunteering whenever possible. There's always events going on, different things where you can work with people with disabilities, doing all kinds of things. You can volunteer with different, like if you want to work in psych, uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness, they do like a big walk every year. Those kinds of things, just get out there, start experiencing it, see what populations you want to work with what you feel comfortable with and just network. 
Yeah. I, that's a good point about networking and also volunteering. I know I've seen a lot of people, especially in kind of more like those service and helping type industries. If you have the opportunity to plug into a group, find somebody on social media and offer, offer your services, like say, Hey, I don't have any expertise, but I can volunteer. I can be a body for you. Being able to go to live events or just work with people and rub shoulders with people that are in the industry, I think is one of the best ways, if not the best way to get a job and also kind of do a test run to see if the job is actually what you think it is and whether or not it's actually what you want to do before you spend all the time and effort and energy getting a bachelor's, getting certified, going through an internship and then find out, oh man, it's not really what I thought it was, you know? So yeah, volunteering, that's, that's such good advice. Well, Megan, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It was so nice to meet you. I'm, I'm glad that we met through our mutual friend and we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the What's That Job Like podcast. Two quick things. One, please subscribe and review the show. It takes less than a minute and it does a ton to help. Two, I would love your feedback. Is there a certain career you want to hear from, a question you'd like me to ask my guests, or anything else? Let me know. My email is jameson at whatsthatjoblike.com. Again, that's J-A-M-E-S-O-N at whatsthatjoblike.com. That is also where you can email me if you are interested in being a guest on my show. I am rapidly trying to get hundreds of interviews because I think that's how this whole project will come together and help as many people as possible. So again, please subscribe and I'll catch you next time.